and welcome to the Emerald Games Cast. My name is Nolan. With me is I'm Janelle, and of course I'm Alex. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to speak over you there. No, you didn't. I just feel really bad about speaking over you like that. I'm really <laughs> sorry. I just that's such. I'm, I feel so terrible. We you speak said over you like that. Stop doing this after episode sixty-two, and we're on episode sixty-three now. So I, I I expect you're a man of your word. Okay, be on your the best first, behavior for the rest of the episode, god dang. The first episode since 42, that the first number is twice the second number. Oh my god, not you two. I can't Wait, deal with this. 63. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking of 62. I'm a big fool. But anyways, uh, it is episode 62. It Wait, is... is it not 63? 63, my bad. I was looking at the date, which is May 2nd. We're having May a whole, 62nd. We're having a whole uh, whole old kerfuffle over here. We're, we're, we're clearly very confused. But I'm not confused about video games. And I don't think any of you well, guys are either. So sometimes Nolan's pretty confused about video games, yeah. I think. Like when he was like, Fallen Wonderland's gonna be cool, just wait and see. <laughs> hey, that was more of like a... More of like a trust I had in Mr. Yuji Naka. Which was mis- misplaced. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. But we have some news this week, but there's a pretty eventful thing, you know, it's been a pretty eventful week because a brand new Pokemon game came out, and Alex, you have your hands on new Pokemon Snap. I really want to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you call it a new Pokemon game, it's like a half-truth. It's like, yes, it is a game with Pokemon. Pokemon spin-off. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it is a... Is a Sequel and or spiritual successor, and canonically a direct sequel, to Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo 64 back in 1999, I think. This sort it of like not, cl- it's not a remake. Hit. I'm confused about that. It's not a remake. It is okay. a brand new game. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a brand new Pokemon Snap game developed by Namco Bandai, um, published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company on Nintendo Switch. Uh, I just got it recently. I've been playing it... Uh, because this is something I've always been interested in. Because I actually really like Pokemon Snap. I think it's a fun idea for a spin-off game, and, and it works really well. Um, one thing I can say just right off the bat about Pokemon Snap is it's gorgeous. It is the prettiest game on the Switch, bar none. Wow. It it looks beautiful. Uh, it runs at a pretty consistent uh, sixty frames a second too, which is very nice. Um, and it just looks so 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 nice. Like the environments look very lush. Uh, the Pokemon look very, like, not realistic, but, like, lifelike. Like, there's so much detail in their movements and, like, the little things that they will do. Um, it's, it's just it's just very, very cool. Uh, if you've never played this game or the, the game before it, uh, the way it works is basically, like, an, ar- an arcadified version of wildlife photography. You're on, like, a little machine, like a little, like, rolling machine, and you go forward through a preset track. In this game, you can branch off different tracks. I don't remember being able to pick which, if that was a thing, in the original Pokemon Snap, but it is in this one. Um, and you, your goal is to just take pictures of Pokemon. Uh, you get more points or more stars if they're doing something cool or something unique, uh, because the premise is you are working to study the Pokemon in the region and like the ecology of the region. So you get more points if they're interacting with other Pokemon, if there's other Pokemon in the frame... If they're doing things they would do in their natural environment, like uh, there's a little uh, flying squirrel Pokemon uh, called Emolga, which is basically just another Pikachu. But uh, there's a, there's a part of the level where you see a bunch of like burnt apples on the ground, and if you scan them with your scanner, 
then the, the Pokemon professor will be like, I wonder what burn these apples. You should find that out. And then eventually you find out you get the ability to like toss apples at Pokemon to like get their attention because they eat the apples. Uh, and you find out when you toss one at Emolga, it'll like zap the apple and like cook <laughs> them in front of you. And then they're like, oh, so that's how this, that's why all the apples are, are cooked down at the bottom of the ground. Um, it's cute. It's very cute. It's very cute. It's it's very charming. Um, I know. I think you would really like it, and I think you would find it interesting because you've talked. I don't know how much you've talked about this on the podcast. But you've talked to to me and Janelle about how much you like photo modes in video mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, but in most I love photo, photo modes. modes, like in the famous must be like Sony mandated PS4 photo mode that every first party Sony <laughs> game has, uh, you're able to like set the lighting and the camera angle. And, like, kind of manicure the photo to be the way you want it. You can't do that in Pokemon Snap. It is, like, you you have to take the photo and do what you can to make that happen. And, and in that way, it does feel like wildlife photography because you can't control an animal. Yeah. They're going to mm-hmm. do their thing, and you hope they're doing something cool when you snap that photo and there's not, like, grass in the way or whatever. That's something I really like about um, my favorite photo mode in a game is probably just photo mode the video game is umurangi generation which yeah we talked about on the show maybe not but um in that game you know it has a similar sort of set of mechanics where you're you're, you're walking around a level with actual camera equipment catching stuff as it happens you're not you're not freeze framing and changing parameters you're just getting in there and taking photos but what appeals to me about pokemon snap is that in a game like umurangi generation uh, because of a a lower budget um, and it being sort of a scavenger hunt, most things are either stationary or playing looping animations. Mm-hmm. So there isn't really a situation where you're like, oh, I got a picture of this car driving by or a picture of this cop arresting somebody. Because if you enter the level and that cop is standing over that person, they will be there for as long as you are in the level. They'll never move. So that part of the game, trying to catch these little moments, sounds um, really intriguing. What I'm curious about is... You mentioned throwing apples. Um, I'm curious about two things. One, how much of it is 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 randomized or generated each time you go versus how much of it is like you can memorize when they'll appear in what spot. And the None other thing is, how much of an influence do you have on it? Like, can you can you do things to lure Pokemon out, or can are there different like maybe different weather or whatever that makes different ones appear? Like, is it yeah, kind of yeah, replayable yeah. in that way? So none of it's randomized, but uh, the more you progress through a level, you actually get a little experience bar that changes the level. Uh, so, for example, in the first level, you go to this little like lakeside park, and there's these Pokemon called Bidoofs that are basically just beavers. Uh, and as you advance and your bar fills up, you find out the Bidoofs are building a dam. And once they finish the dam, as time goes on, and different Pokemon will change as time goes on, right? Like, uh, when you go at night, a bunch of them are asleep, and, like, the owl <laughs> Pokemon that you saw in the sleeping in the tree hole hops out and, like, will look at you, as opposed to the sparrow Pokemon that are now asleep. Um, but, like, when... Anyway, when those Bidoof finish the dam, it changes the level. It gives you another alternate path to go through. Hmm. Um where you can, like, get closer to the Bidoof that are out in the water building the dam up until now, where they're just, like, on the dam hanging out. Um, so it's not randomized. Part of it is the arcade like, how am I going to get the highest score? Um, but there's so a you, lot of replayability, I would say. Like, of, because, of, of, of course you can't, like, speedrun because you're on a track, but, you know, you, you, you feasibly could figure out, like, okay, I know exactly that, like, 
this Bidoof will be here and this Pidgey will be here. And so I can string these shots together and yeah. get this perfect optimized route. You can keep finding yeah. your, your way at, through. At one of the three levels, you can toggle between for any of the, And that's... So there's a mm -hmm. night option, a day option, and a quote-unquote boss option, where there's like a, a big special Pokemon mm -hmm. you have to try to take a picture of. Oh, okay. And are they like super elusive? Uh, no, they're like right there. But <laughs> then why are at that, least what's hard about it. So the the one that I had though, it's a Pokemon called Meganium, which is like a big flower dinosaur, like one of those long neck dinosaurs with a flower on its neck. Mm -hmm. Are um, these not like legacy Pokemon? Are these, these new? Are. Meganium was oh. Gen 2. It was one of the I'm just it was uneducated. one of the original starters. But uh, I just don't know about Pokemon apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But it was it was so big, and I, my cart kept going so close to it that I had a hard time getting it all in frame. And there's also these little like fruits. I forget what they call them, but you can all, if that fruit is in the frame. This is kind of like Umarangi generation with the jellyfish. If that fruit is in the frame, the picture doesn't count unless the Pokemon eats the fruit. When it eats the fruit, it glows. Oh. It becomes, like, bioluminescent. But if it does not eat the fruit, if it is just near the fruit, the whole photo's out. So... What, what if you throw an apple at that apple Pokemon? <laughs> Which apple, <laughs> Pokemon? apple Pokemon? There's an apple Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the apple Pokemon yet. I hope he shows Damn. up, because that would be really fun. Um, but uh, to answer the second part of your question, you can... Well, to finish answering the first part of your question, there are three different <laughs> levels. So six levels total... <laughs> Of, okay, I don't know how many areas there are total. So far, I've unlocked two areas. In those two areas, a night and a day cycle. Um, and in those night and day cycles, there are three separate like phases of each level. So you, you basically have six different variations of levels where new Pokemon will show up or do new things because it's a different time of day or like a different thing is happening. Um, but to answer the second part of your question, yes. You, you do do some unethical uh, wildlife photography and like lure, lure Pokemon with apples. Or you have these uh, you have these balls. I forget what they're called. Um, they used to be pester balls in the original game. And they would just like annoy the Pokemon and make them like try to attack you. These just make the Pokemon glow. Um, but like a different glow. Um, that's, that's one weird thing. This game like is very sanitized to me. Like, did you ever play the original Pokemon Snap, Nolan? Or Janelle for that matter? No. I uh, I got it working on an emulator one time, and this is the stupidest thing ever. Everything was in perfect function, except, get this, for saving and viewing photos. <laughs> so, yeah, the N64 game, emulations fucked. We're not there yet. You know, you know. Actually, I I take that back. You were able to save photos. That that part is true. But when I would get to the end of the level and I would talk to Professor Oak, he would say. Great job. Now select five photos that you want to use for your score. And I would go, and it was just a bunch of black squares. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ruined the whole game for me, so I didn't play more than the first level. Yeah. But I sure did ride that little cart and look at the Pokemon, though. That was, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. And that's fun to do here, too. But yeah. one of the most memorable levels in the original Pokemon Snap for me was there's a Charmeleon that's in a, uh, what's it called? Like a volcano area. If you bean him in the head with an apple, he'll fall into a lava pit. No. And then oh a God. Charizard will pop out. Well, he's no. a fire type. He's fine. He evolved. He evolved in the in the lava pit. Um, that's not a thing in this game. You, Pokemon don't evolve in front of your eyes. Uh, and mm. the apples that you throw at them, they keep making it very, very clear that these apples are soft and don't hurt the Pokemon. So it's okay. You can yeah, just you're do... throwing moldy apples at these small little creatures? No, they're fresh oh, apples. They're just, they're, they're, they call soft... them like fluff fruits or something. Soft apples sound nasty. That sounds terrible. Those are just pears. 
Uh, no, some uh, pears have a little bit of a... You know, he's got a point, though. Pears, yeah, pears like, are a little mushy. But what if it were like a plum but an apple? That's kind of more what <laughs> Ew, I'm thinking. like or a full-sized yeah. Yeah, apple yeah. that you can just... What, what if it was like an apple but it had a little bit of give, like a grape? You can kind of like... What if it was, yeah, squeeze it like, squeeze, what if it was yeah. like cotton candy? Ew, that's but like, nasty. They call them fluff fruits. They're like, oh, they're so soft. Like, So I wonder if that's the canon. They're just supposed to be like fluffy um so it's sanitized uh yeah it's it's like it seems like it's very much like i i i i constantly worry about pokemon pulling at disney and being incredibly restrictive about their brand and their image and being mm-hmm. like you can't you can't have pokemon evolve on screen in a way that they're not allowed to um, i think they've you can't, already done you that. can't even suggest that they would ever do anything like get hurt so these <laughs> apples have to be emphasized how soft they are yeah like i want to get pikachu a traumatic brain injury let me do that why do you want to do that he deserves it. He's a little fucker. Whoa. Yeah, I said I, it, know, I went there. What I want to know is, is does this feel like a meaningful evolution of Pokemon Snap? Or does it feel like a really well-executed modern version of that ah, game with some new stuff? Like, is I'm it, so it, is glad, it significant? I'm so glad you brought that up. The original Pokemon Snap was a five-hour video game. It was kind of designed around being a rental game. Um, uh-huh. Remember, there were like it was really famous for having the blockbuster kiosks where you could print uh, like photos of the games that you took. Um, it, it was not really. I don't know if it was sold at full price, so don't quote me on that. But I I think it was kind of designed around the idea of it being a rental game. I know that the concept of like video game pricing is like a is like a spicy topic and it's a weird thing to try to tackle because there's so many nuances here. But this is a $60 video game. Mm-hmm. I will wholeheartedly admit I don't know how long or $60. Did I say 60 hour video game? You said $60. Okay, good. I thought I said 60 hour video game. Uh, it's a $60 <laughs> video game. I don't know how long it is. It's Maybe 60 I've been hours. playing it for longer than 5 hours. Maybe 60 hours. That's the thing. I don't know how long that that concept is going to stretch because you don't get very many more options than you do in the original Pokemon Snap. You get a few more. You get more modes. You get more Pokemon to look at, and it looks beautiful. But like, I don't know how much more substance there is to justify that price point. Okay. Um, yeah. So even though I am really really liking this game so far, I am fully expecting the honeymoon phase to wear off and it to get very very repetitive. I I looked it up on how long to beat. And um, do you consider it a spoiler for me to say? No, go ahead. Nine hours, it says. So that's not little, terrible. It's a, little, a little longer. It's, al- that's it's not almost terrible. double. Yeah. That's sixty dollars though is a lot for that. It is. I would I would do like forty. Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing, right? And that's and that's for the listener to decide if that's what they're willing to do. Because, like I said, video game pricing is a complicated thing. To me. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, no, it's for Janelle to decide. But uh. So no. far, I'm really enjoying it. The little bit that I have played of it, um, it's got it's got its weird imperfections and flaws. But those imperfections and flaws, for the most part, kind of existed in the previous game. So if you liked that, mm-hmm. you will really like this. I think. What I'm just like curious, like yeah, like if you if you can be quick, like what are the imperfections and flaws? Um, like this this the rating system is kind of nonsensical, and it always has been. But they try to emphasize it in this game by saying like, oh, we're we're here to like study the Pokemon. So that's why you have to get pictures of them doing cool things. But, like, what do they justify as a cool thing? Like, one time I saw a, uh, a score bunny, the little rabbit Pokemon. He was doing, he was standing on top of, like, a national park sign. And he was doing, like, he was doing, like, a little show. 
he was doing fire kicks like oh, on the sign. Yeah. And a Pichu and a bunch of other small baby Pokemon were watching him from down below and sort of like making little happy noises like they were cheering him on. Yes. Um, and I took a picture of that and he was like, ah, this doesn't really show me anything I want to see. But when I took a picture of him sleeping on top of another Pokemon, he was like, this is a, <laughs> this is a four star, this is a four star picture. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Uh, Isn't that how humans so, kind of work with cats? Yeah, sometimes. That's true. But if I yeah, saw a cat doing a show for other cats, I'd be like, hell yeah. Hell this is yeah. the this is the old uh, old play of the game problem where you're, yeah, exactly. you're, you're having a computer designate what's interesting and it's yeah. it's based off of not uh in you know, for a person what's interesting is just like a sense you get. It's not based off of like how many animals are in this shot or what's the framing. Yeah. It's just something I you get kind that of it's know. not I get that it's not grading me on artistic merit. That's fine. Hard, I'm willing though, to roll right? with that. But like it's 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 frustrating when it's like I don't know what you are grading me on exactly. I don't know what yeah. you the video game decides is cool. So for like Umarangi generation, I think it's an interesting comparison. What they did is they um, had a bunch of different invisible metrics uh, that essentially had to do with the complexity and depth of your shot. Mm-hmm. So if you the if you had more subjects and more colors and more things. Uh, with interesting contrast in frame, um, you could potentially jack up that that number. But the obvious problem with that would be that that would in, like inspire you to get these cluttered shots, right? That don't have any focus. Mm-hmm. So there's like another another even more invisible vague metric that is just called like art- artisticness, I think. And mm-hmm. that one is just like okay, is sort of a fail safe. So if you want to get like a monochrome shot of one single thing with basic lighting, it can still give you a high score. But the issue with every video game tries to do something like that is that you cannot write code to determine artistic value or even intrigue. Yeah. It's like super inconsistent. Like maybe the, my worst shots are my highest scoring shots. Is, or is a caterpillar rearing up because I threw an apple at it really cooler than a pokey and like a beaver sleeping on top of its dam that it built. Like that's subjective and it depends yeah. on a lot of factors of the shot, but it's like, it's a little frustrating because like I can't figure out exactly what they want. I have a vague yeah. idea and I'm usually able to meet that. And if worst case scenario, I can just save the picture for myself that I like. So my answer is the is the beaver, by the way, is cool. That's what I think, too, but the video because game didn't think so. The beaver is like you're catching him in his natural environment, and it sounds cute, and you're seeing what he made, whereas the caterpillar is just listen. like, I did the thing to make him go. Listen, yeah. though. Listen, though. <laughs> caterpillar versus whole apple. Come on. Those well, guys are small. Caterpies are big, though. Uh, Caterpies are way bigger than an apple. They're like, Apple's yeah, like, like smaller than their head, right? Yeah, the That's apple true. is about as big as they I'm just saying the are. beaver's gonna sleep no matter what. This little guy's going for that apple. He is like, he is ready to fight. Wait, those can't both be true. The caterpies are cat sized and they're the same size as the apple. The big apple, <laughs> the huge well, apple. <laughs> I look, I don't know math. It's fine. Uh, Wait. <laughs> That's not math. That's like mental math. Oh my! That's not meant. I'm taking you off the dang darn show. You're not well, going to be on our I... new math podcast. Oh Sorry. shit! I forgot about hey, that. Did you guys? Did you guys play on cool math games when you were in school as a kid? Oh hell yeah! That's where I yeah. played Frog Fractions for the first time. Frog Fractions on cool math games? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That makes perfect sense. I can't believe yeah. I never knew that. It was that and Mini Clip. I was never a Congregate kid. I thought if I go on Congregate, I don't know how or, or why, but. No, not congregate. Newgrounds. I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna get on trouble if I go on Newgrounds. I'm gonna, oh, I'm yeah. gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble somehow. I'm gonna like come across some porn on accident, and it won't even be labeled. It's gonna be scary. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. That's, so that's you, definitely Newgrounds. Would you recommend this game to Pokemon fans all over if, the world? If you're a Pokemon <laughs> fan all over the world and you're willing to spend, if you got sixty dollars burning a hole in your pocket and you really liked the previous Pokemon Snap, if if any two of those things apply, I would say get this game. Um, but I I don't know how comfortable I am suggesting it to everyone in the same way that I would a game like Hades or Red Dead, right? It's not it is not the perfect game. It is a very, very niche video game. If you Sounds fall fun. into that niche, you will enjoy that. I kinda wanna play it, but you know, I don't want to pay sixty for it, so I'm gonna play yeah, it that's later. Fair. I'm gonna play it in thirty five years when Nintendo drops the price by three dollars. <laughs> I don't I'm not trying to sound like a shill, we're not getting paid for me to say this, but I think it's really cute that um Nintendo just partnered up with that company that makes those, like, you know, modern Polaroid cameras to make, like, a little oh. printer that you can connect to your Switch to print out the pictures that. from the game. That's pretty I think sick. that's really cute. What about the partnership where they partnered up with a, uh, a wildlife exhibit in, in Japan? Alex, you sent us an article on this. They had the 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 poster was, like, Pikachu in a safari hat. God, oh, yes. no, 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 this was the museum. They were comparing fossil Pokemon to, like, real dinosaur fossils. Oh, it was so really cool. cool. That's so cute. He was in a little that's archaeology adorable. outfit. God, yes. And that's a cute freaking poster, too. Like, I would love it's to have that so poster. so good. They had, like, the Ken Sugimori art style for real animals compared to their Pokemon counterparts. It was, it was I love that's it. Really I loved it. How many animals? Really Ken Sugimori should do the entire anim- anima decks, every species that we know. Every, every, <laughs> every one. Should, when are we going to get someone to sing the animal rap? Or this list oh, every God. animal. You know, I, I am predicting, you know, if somebody ever said, like, I'm going to do a project where I make a pokedex entry for every animal uh it's gonna take years but it's gonna be my project they're all gonna be normal type they they would they would never they would never do it it would be just like sufjan stevens saying he's gonna make an album about all 50 states and then doing (laughs) a song about eugene and then stopping forever it's a whole album it's a whole album about eugene i know or about oregon or whatever but then he was like Wait. I realized I'm not committed to this idea for 50 of these. I'm kind of done now. I have a question. Yeah. Has the Pokemon rap evolved with the generations, or is there still just the original one? It did for a while, and then they kind of just dropped the idea because there they, were they A, stopped. too many, and B, it was yeah. always kind of dumb. But then Brian David Gilbert did all of them in, in, oh, a, yeah, in that a panel was fun. for like 14 minutes. It's pretty yeah, great. Yeah. That's miserable. Uh, um, no, it was very fun, actually. No, it was should, very I, good. I, I, I love that video a lot. <laughs> you know what else is fun? I d- yeah? Um, the news. Well, not lately. Most. No, there's actually a pretty good news in here, though. I just meant in general, the news hasn't been very fun lately. That is true. That is true. There's a surprising news story here. This one's a little old by now, but because we made such a big deal out of it in a couple episodes ago, we figured mm-hmm. we should follow up on it. So, so. because we talked about <laughs> how bullshit it was that Sony was going to shut the PS3 and Vita stores, they contacted us to tell us that they weren't going to do that via their blog on PlayStation. Yeah, that public we found press release. Yeah. Um, and read, but we are the press, so. That's true. What's they up? They released it to us. Um, the, the other store is still dying. The, yeah, uh, I read PSP. into this. Apparently it's because the PSP has a really, uh, like, backwards online architecture. You can only join... It's kind of like the, the DS was like this, too. You could only join, like, unprotected Wi-Fi re- networks or, like, a specific type of old Wi-Fi network. So there was just... They just figured it was, like, a security thing. That makes um, sense. That's fair. So they, they cut their losses with that one, I guess, but... To me, I think it's the most important that they're keeping the PS3 and the newest handheld console still yeah. open for an, yeah. an, an indefinite amount of time. 
PS3 and Vita stores not not closing, and um, unfortunately, some of those games um, still don't have servers, and I, I don't see those coming back. But they will at least be available um, for people to you know do what they will with. Yeah. Um, that people can can make rips of games and create private servers or whatever, but only if they have access to them in the first place. So this is this is pretty cool. I, I think because it's not very often that you see a company uh, as large as Sony pulling back on a decision because of public opinion. Um, I mean, you you know, you do for certain things, of course, like for design choices or for like UI or whatever. But it's this is a uh, a business decision, which is not something you typically see them sort of renege on. And yeah. it's it's good to see. I think Sony has been getting a lot of goodwill. Uh, Sony won the last console generation purely by appearing to consumers as the company that cared about their customers um, in contrast to the image that Microsoft was sort of inadvertently getting of being hyper-corporate. Um, I feel like towards the end of the uh, PlayStation 4, maybe the beginning of even the PS5 and Xbox uh, Series X, that began to reverse a little bit with Game Pass and with the generosity of Microsoft and the studio acquisitions. And um, you know, it has hey, been this Sony, constant Sony's tug still of war. In, yeah, yeah. Sony's still in the game, though. This is this is good to see them some taking some initiative here. Oh, console wars, man. Yeah, you I, know? I, I I know. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I agree, this is cool, but a lot of what we said last episode still applies. Like, this will yeah. not last forever, and eventually, a lot of these games are just going to be gone, right? But, it, yeah, it's, it's good that it, uh, that it lasts for now, That's though. true. I mean, like, That's it's, very true. It's really nice to see, uh, because there's all kinds of things that are gone now. Like, okay, like the PS2, you could have a network adapter to play Fantasy Star Online, you could play Metal Gear Online, and... Uh, you know, now that I think about it, I guess the difference is that those are individual server closures, whereas the mm-hmm. PS2 still has network connectivity because it's a hardware feature. Um, that was before you had, like, a system UI that was basically acting as a a layer of film between you and the service. Like, everything worked on a system level because you had that home menu. So I guess this is different. I like the idea of in, like, 40 years when, like, the PS2 the seven stores closed down <laughs> but the ps3 and vita stores are still open because <laughs> that's the one we stand by yeah we're all gonna yeah. go back to that one maybe they'll even shut down the uh ps4 store but then they go for the ps3 next and people are just they're in like, an uproar they're like no they're absolutely like, you will, not you will not take fat princess away from me or medieval <laughs> ps1 classic you cannot you cannot do take that away my download again folder with a copy of persona 4 in it you cannot do that to me. <laughs> Not Persona 4 Golden. Just well, OG Persona 4. Persona 4 Port. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't be closing down the Vita store either, so you could get Persona 4 Golden. That's right, but I have a PS2 classic copy of digital Persona 4 on my PS3 account. So I I won't ever play it, but I want I want to have it around. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I will say, if you're going to keep the the Vita store open, I know this doesn't mean you're going to work on it, but Sony, what were you thinking making all of my PlayStation 3, 4, and 5 games and DLC show up in my download list on my Vita? What are you, what are you doing on that one? 
I had to go look at my Trails of Cold Steel D- DLC to get to get uh, Ron's uh, casual outfit. Yeah, and I had to scroll through my whole PS3 game list even to just find it. And then I clicked it, and I accidentally clicked the PS3 one, and it said I couldn't download it because you listed everything twice. Because I bought the game once and it's compatible. That was that was messed up. The Vita store was bad. It was it objectively that was an awful storefront. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, but Sony killed the Vita. You know, Sony had a great thing, and they had a, a really bad time doing anything good with it. Yeah, and it's insane too because it's like you had a 1080p <laughs> screen, which is way more high def than it needed to be. Like that mm-hmm. was nuts. You had a, a pretty powerful console with a decent battery life, but you had that those proprietary memory cards just completely fucked them up. Oh for, I my think. god, it was like sixty, seventy dollars in the beginning. Yeah, to get uh, you know. A decent amount of storage. And they didn't come with one, too. Your Vita didn't come with a card. I they mean, were so cocksure ugh. about that thing that they just completely, like, it's just it was just dead in the water. The worst thing is that it's a proprietary card, but it's just a micro SD. Mm-hmm. It's just they have some kind of thing on the chip that, you know what? This it's is just like, shaped this funny. Is, this is like a decade and a half old news. We have this is... <laughs> to move on. We have to move to the next one. I'm okay. falling asleep. You guys are so boring right now. Okay. <laughs> so... The other thing that happened uh, this past week um, is a pretty big deal. There's a developer called Toys for Bob, which I get the sense that a lot of people, you know, maybe you've heard of them, um, but more likely you've heard of what they have done because most of what they have done is remakes of already established classic games or like sequels. Like they worked most recently on Crash Bandicoot 4, um, you know, but they don't really brand the games. They're not like toys for Bobs or people associate it with Naughty Dog Steel or whatnot. And I think they did the Spyro remakes as well, Alex. They did. And, uh, they uh, also one other one too. Uh, well, they also did Skylanders, which people have started to turn around on recently. Yeah. Um, but they also ha- are famous for doing the Star Control games way back in the day. Whoa, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, I always associated them with basically being the um, the sort of modern caretakers of other beloved IPs. That's what they became, and in my yeah. opinion, they did a pretty damn good job of it. Them, um, them, and uh, Vicarious Visions were mm-hmm. were sort of two parts of Activision's big push to kind of take all of their old PlayStation classics, really, and revitalize them with these premium remakes. And they've been doing very well, very successful, very well received, and everything. Um, and yet, there have been reports that Activision denies. Um, that Toys for Bob and the majority of other Activision studios, in fact, are all being downsized uh, and refocused um, to provide, well, in Toys for Bob's case, development support for Call of Duty Warzone. Um, In the wider Activision sense, um, essentially, you know, they're going to be focusing, it seems, their studios uh, into support roles for for their larger AAA franchises, of which they have a many of those. Well, the, the main one is Call of Duty Warzone, which is their new forever game, uh, Battle right. Royale a la Fortnite. Yeah, and, and in fact, Vicarious Visions, which, which I mentioned earlier, uh, who made Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 HD, uh, is also, there's been some other shuffling. There's also evidence of Activision shuffling studios around because they're being merged into Blizzard, which of course Activision owns, um, but it is still evident, you know, if you know how these things work, that people are being moved around on the chessboard here into all kinds of different places and um i don't know about you guys but it just seems like a big fucking mistake i think it's bizarre that they're saying that they're denying any reports of any downsizing 
when several people have come out and said, yeah, I got laid off. Like, I am an yeah. artist, and, and I don't work here anymore, right? Like, mm -hmm. why would you lie about that? Like, you can say, oh, they're also still supporting Crash Bandicoot 4, but, like, maybe they are, I don't know, but, like, yeah. you know for a fact that people got it's, laid off. It's not a complete... It's important to note, like, it's not a complete shuttering. It's a downsize, and also that it is not... Um, that uh, it's it's unclear whether all they're doing is working on Warzone uh, or if that's permanent, you know, or if they're just working on this season or whatever. Uh, but the general feeling is from people like Alex is saying on Twitter and stuff that have worked there is that they are being essentially made redundant and uh, sort of sort of like put on the back burner and probably it's won't be getting a new project, probably won't be getting a Crash 5, probably won't be getting a new Spyro game. It sucks too because it's like they they made they helped out with the uh, insane trilogy remasters, but they did the entirety of uh, reignited trilogy and Crash Four, yeah. right? Which were all pretty pretty incredibly successful games, and and now they're getting punished for it by like being put into the Call of Duty machine to just grind out more gray first person battle royales. It's like they did something cool. <laughs> yeah, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, fuck them. It's yeah. like the one the one thing I can say to be fair is that I've heard that Warzone is really good, uh, but it doesn't. It, it's not. I mean, I've heard Warzone it doesn't make up too. for it. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, make up it's for it. the same as how like I love The Last of Us, but yeah. I don't want a bunch of people at Sony being moved just to Naughty Dog, right? Uh, yeah, like... and, and and it's 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 sad because back in the day, you know, um, you know, right around where where all of us grew up, I'd say during the uh, during the sixth gen with with PS2 and and whatnot, double A games were a big deal, and they eventually went away. I think for development cost reasons, and you know, by double A games, I mean studios putting a bunch of a bunch of money, but relatively less money into making sort of polished like mid budget games, uh, stuff like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and like Crash Bandicoot remakes. Just like, hey, this is a really fun thing that will not take nearly as long or nearly as much or nearly as many people to make as something like Call of Duty. I don't know if I would call, especially in like PS1, PS2 era, I don't think I would call the Tony Hawk games like mid-budget. No, 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 I wouldn't, I'm not calling them that back then either. Um, I'm, I'm calling see, the current, I'm calling the HD remakes today mid-double-A uh, games, um, despite them being fantastic, by the way. But yes. I'm, I'm talking like, you think on, on PS2 and you can find all kinds of games that um, major major developers just seem to kind of do on the side for fun almost. Um, and publishers being willing to fund those things. Somewhere along the line, it seems to me that everyone figured out that it's just vastly more profitable to put all your eggs in one basket, provided mm -hmm. you can bank on that basket success. Forever. And there is no basket you can bank on more... Uh, guaranteed than call of duty well so what makes me really sad about this is that this is not just hey new call of duty game is in the the final stretch all hands on deck this is hey you are now put into work on our new perpetual forever video game right like it doesn't sound like they're this isn't just like a temporary shift right this is like they are now with the cod team well, in right? like warzone is so confusing because traditionally every year when a call of duty comes out the multiplayer that it launches with is its biggest selling point and it's always you know if not a reinvention it's like hey here's this studio they have three studios to cycle between and it's this studio's take on whatever the current multiplayer thing is but like when call of duty cold war came out um it had its own multiplayer of course 
but its multiplayer wasn't that big of a deal because a bunch of its features got put into Warzone. And Modern Warfare's launcher is now, like, the icon for Modern Warfare is, like, a third of the size of the icon for Warzone. Even though Warzone was initially a side mode, it happened with Fortnite, it happened with Call of Duty now, too, where it's, like, an addition to the game that is now vastly more popular than the actual mainline game. Yeah. So yeah, it's the, just like, like, like okay, we're just, gonna, launchers. we're just gonna keep doing seasons on this. Like, screw this being a mode, this has seasons now. And we don't even need people to play Call of Duty Cold War multiplayer because they're just going to get a bunch of updates into Warzone to commemorate the new single-player campaign coming out over here. Mm -hmm. There's no reason not to have hundreds of people working on this all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe maybe there is some truth to what Activision is saying, and maybe there is still a team that is working on Crash 4, and maybe some something else is in the pipes. I don't know, but this doesn't bode well for me, no. I think. No. Me neither. Yeah, no, yeah. I know you would have wanted Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and 4. I don't want to... Well, that was... Vicarious that was, that Visions. Was Visions. Oh, that yeah. was Vicarious Visions. But That's a good point. But they also got yeah, Activision they, Blizzard decided the same to put thing. them in Blizzard, yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. It makes me sick. Um, <laughs> to my, it makes me fucking sick to my stomach. I'm so upset about all of this. If there's one thing listeners of the show know, it's that I love Tony Hawk and I love Crash Bandicoot. Okay, yeah. I feel like this is like a a personal attack on on me. This and is I'm, kick Janelle when she's down here, and I'm not okay. You know, what? I'm not okay. The hard part about stories like this is is that you know a lot of our stories in this show focus on the business side of things. I, I, I guess it's just because it's something that we pay attention to. It's because we're all business majors. Yeah, I ain't no business major. Um, but it's because I feel like video games, we've said it before, like any art form, are in constant tug-of-war battle between the commercial wing and the artistic wing of the people involved in making them. And the sad thing to me is that even though earlier I said I think it's a big mistake to do this, the fact of the matter is, is that financially it probably isn't. Probably it's like we could fund all of these games that will make a little bit of a profit or break even, or we can continue to pay whatever meager salary we have on a smaller team, shuffle them into here, and make this game more polished, get it out to more people. And that's the sad thing, right? It's like there, if it works, which it will, because Call of Duty Warzone is, is only getting more players every day. And yeah. only getting more people interested. Well, there's a huge ad campaign running right now. Whenever you watch YouTube, like it's going to be, uh, you know, the writing's always been on the walls for moving development money into these these huge mega games as service projects. I mean, but you know, it's like Hollywood, right? Like we've spent a long time with just making Avengers style flicks because yeah, they and make other money. studios are now making Avengers style flicks, like you were saying. It's not just Sony's Marvel and or Disney. Sony's yeah. taken their first-party studios into their main line. You know, we yeah. talked about that on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing is that it, it, it kind of works, right? I mean, it, we're lucky that we live in an era where the independent game scene is flourishing more than it ever has before. That That's the real thing that keeps this from being, like, the worst story. It's just that I know there's always going to be, you know, oh, you're interested in skating games? You got, you know... 
Skater XL and all these people, indie, indie devs throwing these things out. Just why did Tony Hawk let this happen? I know. Like, did they talk to Tony no. <laughs> and go, "Hey, we're not making your games anymore because we want Diablo or whatever"? And he was like, "All right." Hang loose, bro. Is that what happened, Tony? No, he's like a businessman. They come into his office. He's got a fat cigar in his mouth. He's like wrapping his fingers <laughs> on the desk. Like, spit it out. Time is s- money. Can I say something as someone who, like, has gone on record multiple times saying I wish that I were related to Tony Hawk? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe all of his tweets about how people never recognize him. You know how he always tweets about, like, interactions he has with people where they're like, you look like Tony Hawk, and it's like his whole thing. I don't know if I bite. It's kind of like those people who, like, my kid said something very profound <laughs> today. Like, no, they didn't. You're like, that's like yeah. a five-year-old child. They don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, how often does this happen, Tony? I think that after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, I don't think anybody knows to- looks Tony like. Hawk, when Activision asked him, he he probably said, I, do, I don't do whatever you want. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, well, I don't no, really he know. was really excited about. <laughs> I remember him like saying that he was really excited about remaking the other games. Do you, Do you think Tony Hawk has like? Do you guys think Tony Hawk has nuanced opinions on the uh, move sets and physics of each Tony Hawk game? No, I don't think he cares. That's what <laughs> do, I was gonna say. Do, do Do you think Do you think Tony Hawk is like? I don't, I don't even want to think about before they added the the manual into. You guys are crazy. I don't agree at all because he was like at an age when those games came out and a skateboarder that I can't imagine he wasn't wildly fucking into playing himself in a video game. Are you oh, kidding? No, I'm <laughs> sure he was. I'm sure he was. But how much does he like care about the minutia of it? Right? Do you think is Tony? It really do you think Tony Hawk anything goes... more than a cool paycheck to him, dude? I'm not as, like, I don't know, man. I, I like seeing the glass half full on the skateboard. You, my friend, <laughs> like seeing the skateboard with no t- trucks. With I don't no know glass. what I'm saying. With no glass. I'm Googling right now, what is Tony Hawk's favorite Tony Hawk game? And I found an article on thegamer.com. God, that is my favorite news source. <laughs> Legendary the- skater Tony Hawk. Okay. Through a new messaging system that allowed... Fans to text the skateboarder revealed to a fan that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is his all-time favorite game from the collection. Damn. Okay. But 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 why, Tony? Tony, why? Oh well, well, Nolan learns about that. You know what else is a thing? Lead us into it, Janelle. Konami fucked me again. <laughs> all they can do. This episode sucks. I hate this episode. <laughs> Konami's not coming to E3. Here's my theory. Okay. My theory is this. They never were going to come to E3, but they had a moment where they were like, maybe we should see if people actually care about buying our video games again. And then everybody got really excited about them coming to E3 and they were like, shit, okay, now they've backed out and now they're going to start working on a video game. (laughs) That's what I think is happening. They're like, well, hold off on Pachinko. (laughs) Make a video game, I guess. What the fuck is happening? Where are they? What are they They doing? They were the first studio to come out and be like, we're coming to E3 too. So like... I, I don't think I think I don't think it was like they were trying to scam people. I think this was premeditated. They were like, we have things we want to show people. Yeah. And then they decided, never mind, because Konami is cartoonishly incompetent. Here's the like, thing. Bethesda showed us like not anything of the Elder Scrolls Six, and we were like, yeah, fuck yeah, give me literally anything. It can be a word document with like literally anything on it and i'll probably be excited like we do not need a lot i don't know who you think these gamers are but we are not asking for a whole lot here 
Just literally anything. I mean, I mean, I would like to see some well, gameplay for something. But, yeah, me you know, too, but I'm I just want to know what to look forward to. Yeah, you got fucking big brain. I do. Okay, you got big <laughs> brain. Giga brain. Man, though, it's... Nolan's still looking up this Tony Hawk stuff, by the I'm, way. I'm trying so hard He's to still... figure out how to phrase this. Just keep talking. I'm okay. listening. I'm just really... I'm in, I'm in a hole over here. I just think it's really weird. I don't know. Alex, what do you think? I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's Because like I said, they were the first studio to come out and be like, we're going to E3. And then for them to immediately pivot and be like, never mind. Um, I do kind of wonder if maybe they'll show things at other like conferences. Like maybe we'll see a Konami game at the Sony conference, or Sony's not at E3, but they're going to do something in the same space as E3, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see something there, or maybe Microsoft bought a game from them, like, or something. Like, I wonder if we'll see something. Um, yeah. But this is just another example of, of cartoony, cartoony, Konami being cartoonishly incompetent, and, like, that scene in The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob keeps stepping on rakes that hit him in the face, like every time he <laughs> takes a step. That's that's Konami for the last like ten years. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know I understand that it takes a long time to create stuff that you can show at E three, but they just announced like a month ago, I think it was that this was that they were going to be maybe not even a month ago that they were going to be there, and now it's in yeah. a month, and it's like, were you really not? anticipating these like two months like if can you two months ha- make that much of a difference if you don't have anything to show at e3 maybe you shouldn't have been like hey we're gonna present at e3 maybe you should have like either waited or like not shown or partnered with yeah. a studio that is showing like i i, I, yeah, I just don't or understand just come right out and say like we're working on stuff we hope to be there next year like i don't know i don't know how any of this stuff works maybe we should well, get that, that the show jason said. schreier well, no, I mean originally. Yeah, yeah. Like, instead of assuming that they could have made such a substantial difference in two months, like, maybe, I don't know. You know what the worst part is? I'm still incredibly curious about what they're going to do. And now yeah. I don't get a yeah. concentrated, here's what's happening. I'm sick of them doing this. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> I will never get another Silent Hill game, but every time I see other name, I'm like, but maybe. <laughs> so, I don't know. Who knows? Well, and how did Google go? I could not find what I was looking for. I could only find Tony Hawk saying that his favorite game was Pro Skater 2. I really wanted to find him say something about... A sp- I just want proof that he even, like, plays them beyond sitting down for a couple minutes. You know, I want... I know Tony Hawk has played all of them, but, you know... Tony Hawk, like, sitting down and messing with it and going, hey, they did a pretty good job. This is kind of like what skating's like. It's a little exaggerated. Versus Tony Hawk, like, scoring a four million point combo. That I wanted proof of one of those two angles, and it's looking like it's the former. Look, here's, so, saying, here's what I think. I'm just saying there are, there are simulation game people who are like, who've never flown an airplane, who are like, That's this, not a, Tony this Hawk is not a simulation No, listen, game. listen, listen. Oh, who wow, are like, okay. Who are like, this game isn't perfectly, like, being in an airplane so you can't imagine that like the most famous skateboarder of all time wouldn't get on one of those games and have a deep opinion about how it feels like come on and it's not a simulation game to us but he is simulating himself in it i think i (sighs) so i think he's like it's cool that i'm in a video game and it's cool that people like it 
but I'm not gonna like sit and think and care too much about this video game. We need right? to get him on the podcast to find out. We I have doubt, no way of knowing. I feel a strong doubt, so we need to get him on the podcast. I tried yeah. one time. Yeah, we yeah. don't know unless Tony we on talk podcast. to the man himself. I think that the Konami thing is is not that surprising to me. Um, to bring it back to that, just because before Konami announced that they were going to be at E3. Uh, I don't think that anyone uh, really expected that they would because Konami making new video games feels like a that train pulled out of the station. I, well, I feel like I, I'm weren't. sure that they will eventually do that in some form, but I feel like it's going to be either some combination of like outsourcing and cash cow squeezing, or I don't know, some sort of like. Hey, look at this is the uh Street Fighter Silent Hill like card game match 3 puzzle gotcha thing on mobile or whatever. <laughs> like we're not going to get Konami funding like marquee projects anymore and I just don't I don't even know what they would have shown. I feel like we would have been yeah. disappointed even if they had shown up. But that's what but that's the thing. Like well, now we don't get yeah. to be disappointed. And maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's why they were like, "Hey, we should back out because we only you only get to make uh, so many amounts of good first impressions, right?" So, so like they said um they said, "Quote, we want to reassure our fans we are in deep development on a number of key projects." So They've got something up their sleeve. Uh, this IGN article, like, mentions something I didn't think of. I did think of that they are they are most likely outsourcing, uh, or maybe in-house developing. Either way, I don't know. They're definitely doing a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake or something like that. Um, That's been talked about so much. It's like, it's only a matter of time, yeah. I feel like, yeah. IGN mentions in here that they could be working on a new Pro Evolution Soccer, which is like, I mean, does that even, like... Does that even count? Like it's an annualized soccer game. It counts. Well, is, 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 is it like an E3 thing though? Forza it's like how there. EA EA every yeah. year at E3 shows off the like that they're making a new Madden game. Yeah, but, yeah. And it's like yeah, we, we knew that. Yeah, I'm just imagining like it. Which Janelle is more irritated? The Janelle right now who doesn't get to know what's going to be at E3, or the Janelle who watches their entire showcase at E3 thinking Silent Hill's coming? Obviously, it's coming. It's coming. It didn't come, and I want to die. Like, which Janelle is more sad? Probably that one. So I guess this is for the best. But we know we knew that the Konami E3 was going to be a disaster, just like 2015, I think, deep down in our hearts. And that would have been so much fun to watch. I don't know, man. I'm living 2021 as... troops, Janelle. I don't know, man. Extreme! 2021, I'm trying to think positively. It's hard. <laughs> so oh, I... they've got this... Um... You want to think they about your this, favorite uh, things? Roguelite, yeah. This roguelike hack and slash game that they're making. Yeah, they announced it in a Nintendo indie reel for some Let's reason. See. Getsu Fumaden, Undying Moon. No, that's decidedly saying, not an indie studio. This isn't the den game you ought to be remaking, Konami. I know you are absolutely sitting on Suikoden 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and Tactics, and you're doing nothing with them. Yo, Come on, speak they, it in two, remake. Where, what are you doing? One last thing before yeah. the Wheel of Favorites. When they announced that the like PS3 and Vita stores were shutting down, people started selling Suikoden 2 for a shit ton. Oh, those poor people. <laughs> Suikoden 2 got to be like a $400 game, which is way wow. more than it's worth. But now all those people that bought it for that are going to be out all that money. 
Oof. Well, okay. <laughs> the game's gonna drop back down to like ninety or whatever. No, that no, that game is still like hundred and fifty on a good day. Yeah, that can. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's still an expensive. We video found it game. for like two hundred one time at a store. Wow. <laughs> you know, you know what though? You know what? Oh, it pees me so much. I'm so jealous. The guy that owns the store said that he bought Suikoden One for the Suikoden One price, which is much much less. It's like fifty dollars probably. And when he opened the case. They hadn't checked, and it was Suikoden 2. <laughs> so that's in their store now, and they're going to be... Ah, oh man, it's like a 200-something percent profit. I wouldn't know, because like I usually say, I ain't no business major. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. But I do like games, um, and I like having favorites in games, and I know Alex I like likes deals. asking us about favorites in games. This is, this is all true. All the things you were saying are true. So now we're going to move to Wheel of Favorites. I have with me a list of favorite things in video games that I'm going to ask you. I am going to roll my random number generator and see which one I am going to ask you. And I'm going to ask you what your favorite side quest in a video game is. Okay. okay. Side quest. Oh, God. Or like side mission or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Like a, a narrative sort of thing that is not part of the main story arc, I guess you could say. Okay. Shit, dude. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say you could put anything. You could pull anything from Red Dead 1 or 2 out of a hat and have a like 75% chance that it's a pretty damn good side quest. Yeah. Yeah. Because those games, those games are really, really good at telling little stories. Uh, the, the side quests in Final Fantasy XIV are sometimes very good. Um, oh, shit. We should start, I'm thinking, we're, keep this in the podcast. I'm thinking we should start, you should start asking us the questions beforehand. Because this is intense, man. I'm, I need like two hours to like, think about this and like, look at every game I own. I, I I can do that. I can think about that. Um, it's 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 tough to think of uh, one uh, in specific because there's so many. Um, but one that definitely comes to mind is everything um, with the Downs family in Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, that's a main story arc, isn't it? No, no, because no. It's so so. This is interesting. It begins in the main story. You meet uh, Thomas Downs in the main story when you're doing a debt collection. Uh, oh, but, oh, I got them mixed up with the Braithwaite's. I'm sorry. No, yeah, uh, you meet, so it's the guy that you go do a debt collection in the beginning, and yeah, uh, yeah. You, you punch him in his field, and his son and his wife are watching. Um, the main story leaves that story beat, kind of, uh, when you leave the, the Downs family ranch. But um, uh, after that character's death, uh, his wife and his son um, reappear maybe like five or six times um, in different towns uh throughout the rest of the game and uh you can follow up on their life post that if you want to and it's really good it's it's uh shocking that it's not part of the main story because it's it's the kind of side quest that just like thematically adheres perfectly cinches up the main story it 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 adds so much to um arthur's character if you seek out those side quests really special stuff i like it a whole lot yeah and also, other... you said Red Dead, and it's got to be Red Dead again, man. The the old man you meet um, oh, at, his, yeah. at his little fishing hut on uh, on the Veterans Lake um, in uh, Chapter 6. Oof. Mm. I love my oh, horse. Oh, where, where he's like, I, I lost Buell. my job? Nope. That's different. That's uh, yeah. that's in that's in Rhodes. That's a good side quest, too, but that's self-contained. I'm talking like um, 
it's like a thread, somebody you meet later. But the one you're talking about is good, too. That one really got me. That twist yeah. got me. Yeah, I think about that one a lot. Uh, it for didn't Nell. Nell, Nell. Nell noticed it instantly, and I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Well. For context, you're in this, like, southern town, and there's this, this you know, this old man who's like, oh, they took my house, I lost my job, can you go get my stuff back? And, like, I lost everything. And he was in the character you play as Arthur. It's like, okay. So you go into his house and, like, rescue his stuff from being, like, looted by uh, some squatters. And you find out that his job he lost was that he was a slave catcher. And after the Civil War, he didn't have a job anymore. And he keeps longing for the good old days when he could go catch and torture slaves. But what's so... He's one of a handful of characters you get honor for killing in the game. Yeah. Well... Really? I thought the choice was like that you don't you don't kill him, you say you something walk. like you say you, you, you can go you can go to hell and you throw his stuff in the fire and then That's that's for sure, but you can walk away or you can kill him. Oh, okay. I see. I guess I walked away. Yeah. I didn't realize I had that option. Sometimes when games don't tell you that you're in a choice moment, it's so easy to like put yourself back on the rail. You know you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen. This okay. is literally the only thing I can think of, and I know that uh-huh. there are beautiful games like Red Dead Redemption that have perfect side quests that have meant so much to me, and whatever. Literally, all I could think about is how on my birthday I got on Animal Crossing and I had a 20-minute cutscene. That uh-huh. felt like a side quest. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then I gave everyone cupcakes. That's it. This is such a good question that I can't... I, I, I don't know. Skyrim something? No, those all suck. <laughs> I don't know. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm having well, a hard time. Uh, maybe some of the faction quests in Skyrim, like Dark Brotherhood yeah. stuff, is pretty good. Uh, the uh, companions have some pretty interesting side quests. Yeah. Um, uh, can um, I like can I like tweak my answer slightly? Where I'm not talking about um, a uh, side quest in particular, but more like the loop of some side objectives, uh, which sure, why is. I believe that uh, if you play Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker um, and you don't do the admittedly unwieldy thing of going into that separate menu to the right of the start mission button and listen to the cassette tapes, that you're missing like the heart of the game. And that that game, to me, ended up becoming, what do I have to do to unlock all of the cassette tapes? And then how do I go listen to all of the cassette tapes in Mother Base and... It's not a side quest, but it is a whole lot of side things you have to do to unlock all of the character-specific tapes. And uh, that that was very special. I love Peace Walker. Hell yeah. very, this is very tentatively framed as a side quest, but there is a event that you could get in uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, for context, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver take place after Pokemon Red and Blue, where you defeat Team Rocket. And in that game, or for the majority of that game, Team Rocket is like a bunch of disparate satellite groups that are still trying to like maintain their power, but they don't have Giovanni. Their leader has been missing for years. Um, and in this event, you are able to unlock Celebi, which is like a time-traveling Pokemon, and you go back in time and you fight Giovanni by like happenstance. He just happens what? to be in the woods in the past, and when you beat him, he says something like, you know, that kid in Viridian City at my gym beat me, now this kid is beating me. I'm a failure. I need to just like disband Rocket and Team Rocket and like go and hide. I always really like that because it was like it gives a yeah it gives, yeah it gives like a canonical explanation as to like where is Giovanni because like his his servants his legion is all like fighting for him like the Team Rocket satellite groups are all teaming up but 
he is gone and he's he's just decided that he is a failure because of you that's 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 sad feel bad yeah. for Giovanni. well he's 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 a he's a criminal you know the... he, he's part of like a pokemon mafia well sometimes the the mafia always does good stuff for their local communities you know? that's true i watch the sopranos tony's a great guy um, it's just a wonderful it's not... Yeah, I love that part when he gets really mad and just drives onto the campus green to chase down that guy and ram him with his car. Just a good guy. I love the amount of just times he tries guy. to either beat up or have sex <laughs> with his uh, therapist. It's great. He's just a wonderful man. Um, <laughs> it's not a particular side quest, but I do like all of the side characters and the subsequent like smaller quests that you can do for them in the Souls games. Yeah. There isn't a single one of those I have disliked. No, those are totally side quests. Those yeah. those count. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, it's not like it's not like one quest. particular one, right? It's just yeah. like those games have really good side content. I'll give you one particular in those without spoiling. Um, in Bloodborne, when you get into the woods outside of Yarnum, if people, if listeners have played this, you might remember. Um, after a section where you have to dodge some cannon fire, go up a hill, you enter a building, and you climb to the top of the building. And um, there is a guy on top of the roof who, when you find, he's, like, looting looting a corpse, maybe eating the corpse? Very mm. hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, uh, he'll talk to you and ask if you know a place for him to stay. And during that game, um, you, by that point, you have two separate places you can tell him. And a lot of different things can happen, whether you decide to attack him, whether you abandon him, whether you tell him to go to the healing church or to go to ISFCA's clinic or even what you do after he gets there, who's there when he arrives. Yeah, that's All of really those good. things can branch out and have a major effect on the main story. And the great thing about Bloodborne and the Souls games is that you never know if what you're doing is actually something that you, um, you, you know, none of that telltale shit where it's like, this will have this effect. You never even know if you're making a choice. And that's a very strong component. Yeah. I like Telltale games. That wasn't a Telltale dig, by the way. It's just that's sort of the cliche. Like like when Infamous literally makes half the screen blue and half of it red. And it's like, good choice, bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, guess, I, guess that's, uh, I guess that's the goods, huh? Yeah. That's the goods. That's what yeah. we got. Yeah. That's what we got. Ugh, I feel bad. I said you guys were being boring earlier. Even if I meant it at the time, I feel like I'm thinking about it this whole time. Hey, you know what? Literally thinking about it this whole time. You know what? We had to get the podcast moving. Somebody had to do it. Sometimes we are boring. Sometimes. Ugh. Listener. If no, you were, if you nope, were, nope, nope. No. Hold were on. Were you going to say if you were bored, send us an email? If you were bored by Alex and I, send us an email nope. of what you would have said as the third person in the conversation to make it intriguing. Hey, I felt like a dig. Uh, um i think we're we're gonna be taking a um brief uh week-long break oh that's right that's uh, right nolan and i are gonna be moving and won't have internet Mm -hmm. probably won't think about video games that's not true yeah we're moving on a saturday so we usually record on sundays and we the comcast guy won't have come yet and you don't need to know what internet we're gonna get who doesn't have com? It's like what are they going to track and us Comcast down? Like they owns have Comcast. The Pacific Northwest, yeah, yeah, they're they in. They don't need to know. <laughs> they don't need to know um, the guy's name. They're clearly Your Xfinity in file in service. They don't need to go the guy. The, know the guy's name. They don't only, need to know uh, only our people in America that use Xfinity are in are in the Broadway Street, Lewiston, Idaho, fourth <laughs> fourth floor of that house. 
Everyone else uses Direct Dish by now. All the cool people do. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyways, everyone else has, uh, has fiber and we don't. We're, yeah, we're, ever, we're, all, we're just the only ones missing out. It's true. We gotta, we gotta take a hiatus. But we will be back um, after that. Like, you know, a little bit after, uh, after May 10th. And I'm sure there'll be some news by then. Yeah. So that's Emerald Gamescast episode 63. Um, if you want to email us uh, either a question or whether or not you were bored, I want to know. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> then you can do that. I don't want to know. At EmeraldGamescast at gmail.com or you can uh, Twitter us or rather message us at ODE Gamescast on Twitter. Um, and in that Twitter bio, Twitter bio, there is also a link to a Google form where you can submit questions or comments or whatever the heck maybe uh something you'd like for us to talk about if you were bored why are you even listening get out of here go play basketball i don't want to hear i don't want to hear about it in my why gmail.com such, why such contempt for our loyal listeners i don't want to hear about it in my gmail.com i love com. showing contempt for our listeners i don't want to i don't want to have someone say that episode sucked now talk about this next week <laughs> i want to hear it go fucking that play would football. be that would be fun it would be like a like a weekly challenge like we oh could my they'll God. be like talk about this sucks somebody will email us and they'll be like talk about ghosts and goblins next week or i'm not i'm unsubscribing and then we'll be like oh my god Nothing has happened with Ghosts and Goblins for 20 years. That's not true. Okay, no. no, that's not true. They made the really weird one. They did. Oh, they damn. Did. Yeah, sure. I'll talk Nolan, about that next week. <laughs> you should think for like one second about how terrible of an idea it would be to have our entire listener base control <laughs> every aspect of the podcast. We could have our listener base democratically decide how long each segment is even. Absolutely fucking not. For example, <laughs> I am executively deciding that this episode is over and you can come back next week for another one. Until then, see you around.